Hi guys and welcome back to the Flourishing Competitor podcast. I'm your host, well host one, Danny, and I'm also joined by Charlie and today we have the pleasure of having Emma on the podcast. Charlie, would you like to lead on? Yeah, so Emma is an IFBB Pro figure athlete. She is also arguably the best coaching coach in the UK for sure, if not the surrounding countries. Um, she's known as the posing pro probably to many of you that are listening. And I'm sure many of you that are listening to this podcast know who Emma is. But Emma is going to give us a little bit of a rundown of her competitive history, where she's at now. And um, yeah, just a fabulous woman that she is. Thank you so much for having us, ladies. I am super excited to be here. Um, so it's so yeah, just a little bit of a backstory on me. Started competing in 2013. Um, literally had no clue what I was really getting into. Um, competed as a tone figure athlete initially. Didn't place in my first show, but absolutely adored being on stage. Loved being up there and got the bug for it straight away. Um, after that first show, I kind of realised I wasn't quite as good as I maybe had anticipated, but there was definitely something there to work with. So after that, for the following three years, I pretty much competed every season. And back in 2013, the, the competitive world was very seasonal. So I think now you can pretty much compete all year round, given about two months of the year. Um, but back then, um, it was literally like two seasons a year. So I competed in each season. And every time I competed, I kind of worked my way up the ranks, improved on my physique, um, worked on my stagecraft and presentation. Obviously, organically alongside that, the pose and things started to evolve as well. Um, and then... After three years, 2016, finally got my first win, which was a fantastic moment. Um, and it was the, the NABA UK against the Lintone figure. And then after that, that was really the, the beginning point of the, of the success and the wins, really. So after that, UK title, British title, world title in Brazil, um, tried to get a fourth uh, number one title I didn't quite get it got shifted into another category and then that was really the beginning of going for that all-important IFBB pro card kind of realized that outgrown the tone figure category um, and just kind of thought okay let's give this a go so um, embarked on thinking about trying to compete for an IFBB pro card in the figure division um, I was too big for bikini. Bikini never really came into the, the equation. Um, just really thought about going straight for figure. Um, and at that stage, the UK was starting to kick off with two bros, which was our UK uh, promoter of the, bro, of the pro card. And it was kind of splitting up from UK BFF and becoming two bros as well, which felt like there was a lot more opportunity available to gain a pro card as well. So competed um, in my first two bro show. There was there was a few pro cards on offer, and managed to bag myself a pro card. Uh, so that kind of takes us up until 2018. So quite a solid competitive career with no no major breaks. Just kind of kept going the entire time. Um, and throughout my co competitive career, obviously personal life 
plays a huge part in that as well because we've always got stuff going on in the background which kind of can either drive you or or maybe the complete opposite and pull you back from bodybuilding for me it was a huge driver um and then alongside that as well obviously built my brand and my business the pose and pro uh which which ran alongside the, the bodybuilding career as well so those two really went hand in hand yeah and so when it came to the end of your career in bodybuilding First of all, why did you decide to take a step back from competing? And when you did, did you know that you wouldn't step on stage again? Or did you sort of take a step back with the thought of, I might do it again, but I'm just going to have a bit of a break? Yeah, um, it was it was a really it was it wasn't a clear shift for me at all Um, I I think after getting the pro card and and almost feeling like I've done it all right I've got the pro card but then at the same point not obviously when you get the pro card you then want to compete as a pro because that's then the next stage um so I kind of feel like I've got the pro card and kind of there was a little bit of a like an aha moment type of thing and I definitely wanted to compete as a pro and that was always always in the picture for me but then business really 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 took off and also then personal life changed so I met my partner um and for me I definitely think bodybuilding for a huge stage and chunk of my life was it was great career-wise because obviously it, it went alongside what I do now um but a huge part of it for me it became who I was because prior to being a bodybuilder my identity was a dancer yeah so after then getting to the age of 27 and deciding to make that shift of okay I'm not going to be a dancer anymore what am I going to be now I'm okay, a bodybuilder so there's, yeah. there's a huge attachment to um, probably validation and significance um, of having something that I'm attached to and kind of makes me who I am. Um, and obviously having a great success with that as well. You, you have those feelings as well of, okay, if I don't do this anymore, I'm not going to be successful. Like, who am I almost? Um, so... I had definitely never made a, a clear switch in my head to say, right, okay, I'm not competing anymore, I'm done. Um, but life just kind of navigated itself in a different direction, which maybe I subconsciously allowed it to just kind of organically do that because I definitely didn't want to say, I'm not a bodybuilder anymore. Like I didn't, I'm not competing anymore because that kind of feels like there's lots of emotions attached to that um one being will I be relevant you know will people still be interested in me if I say I'm not going to compete as a pro does that make me a a bit of a failure because I've not done I've not even done a pro debut so there was a lot of that and then also the attachment of not looking like a bodybuilder as well yeah and having that identity because I think when you when you look like a bodybuilder you again it's more significance isn't it I don't know if you girls know about the six human needs but significance is one of those for a lot of people and they all rank in different order and for me significance is really highly up there on what I have as a human need on a day-to-day basis so to let go of 
all of those attributes of being a bodybuilder, it was, it, it was like a real pivotal point for me. And it's not something I made a clear cut decision on, but it's something that I kind of slowly, we, we, I always say like, um, cut the cord. I didn't want to cut the cord. I wanted like a really yeah. blunt knife and I wanted to really <laughs> slowly sever that connection. And then I think the more, the more my life progressed in a different direction, I was becoming really successful at business. You know, I was opening a gym, I moved into a new studio and had all of that going on. I started to feel less like I needed the, the, the title of still being a competitor and a bodybuilder. But then on, on this, in the same breath, I was still having to see people in the studio on a daily basis. And then I had the mental shift of I was starting to see my physique change. Then I was like, oh man, I'm not, I don't, I'm not even, I don't even look like a bodybuilder anymore. Like, who am I? What am I? Like in so there was that whole shift as well, which definitely took me. So what was that, 2018, 19, probably really up until maybe about six months ago. It really took me a lot to accept this is who I am now and this is what I look like now as well. Um, and not feeling that pressure of, you know, going to a bodybuilder sh bodybuilding show and thinking, fuck, I don't look like I used to look. Like, what are people going to say? That was a huge thing for me as well. Yeah. Like, what are they going to say I look like? What are they going to say about me getting a pro card and not competing? Um, and, and having that whole dichotomy in my head as well yeah there's there is so much isn't there to consider I think it, it's not it's not one you know like you say that that chord and it's not even one chord it's like five different chords that you've got to be thinking about all the time and if it's not one thing that's stressing you out it's like but what about this but what about that and it's just not as as straightforward as I think a lot of people realize and I think like Danny you said there was a clear cut you said before there was, there was a clear cut kind of right that was my last show for you yeah. I was very similar to you Emma in the sense of that I was like not now, but you know, just in a, in a little bit maybe, and then yeah. life takes its toll. But yeah, like you say, you allow the doors to open maybe for that to happen because you kind mm -hmm. of do want a different route, but it's difficult to navigate. But just out of interest, you mentioned about obviously the like the identity and it's transferring from like being a dancer to then to being a competitor. Do you think that actually you creating the posing pro made it a little bit easier to to shift identity again and kind of well be known as as the posing pro rather than the competitor um do you know what I feel like if I didn't have the posing pro I'd probably just shift in I would have shifted into something else I just yeah. feel like the posing pro I don't feel like I don't, I don't feel like I need the posing pro now like where I am I could just not have that say I didn't have the posing pro and I just ran my gym like don't feel yeah. like I need that full significance now, but that's maybe because I've done a lot more, maybe on introspective, inner standing and personal mental growth. So yeah. I don't feel like I need that, that significance of being the posing pro. It definitely made the shift a little bit easier because obviously I'm still, I'm still in the bodybuilding world. So it doesn't feel like I did just cut it off and walk away and I'm done. But at the same time, that did come with some other hang-ups, like, like I was saying, oh my God, I've got to go to a bodybuilding show and I, I don't I don't have the muscles I used to have. And you know, I'm 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 not up on stage anymore. So there was there was that 
as well. So although it was good to have the brand to shift it, to shift towards, then I still had the those little, um, I, that little, not a chip on his shoulder, but that little thing in the back of my head of, oh, what are people going to start to think? Like, I don't look like I used to. Um, so there was, there was that huge shift for me as well. Like in the studio, even up until this day, but I don't like, you don't really see me in like a crop top and shorts in the studio. I've got, yeah. I've got to look at people that compete all day long. And not that it doesn't burn my head out, but I definitely make a mental choice to not allow myself to compare myself to people in the studio that I don't look like yeah. anymore. So if I just, I'm quite good at taking, if there's something in my in my picture that is having a negative influence on me, I'm quite good at um, not covering it up, but not allowing myself to go through that thought process. So if it means in the studio, I wear my baggy joggers, and I wear a big baggy t-shirt, and I, I'm, I'm the coach and I'm not the athlete, that's fine. That makes me happy, so that's fine. Um, so, so yeah, I, um, the Pose and Pro helped, but also didn't help. Yeah. yeah, and in terms of when it comes to dealing with those struggles, I mean, you mentioned like wearing baggy clothes in the studio so that you weren't able to like, visually compare yourself to other people are there any other things that you actively did or like tools you use to help you deal with those sort of like struggles in terms of seeing your body changing and like not being how you used to and being maybe worried about that because of having the posing pro um are there any other tools that you used or like actions you took to help um I think I just had to work through it in my own head and yeah. stop caring that people might care. People probably don't care. <laughs> like, there's, a, there's a lot more going on than what my physique looks like in the bodybuilding world. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. it was just my own personal insecurity. And like, even now, even when I train in the gym, obviously I've got my own gym now, but when I was maybe going to other gyms and training, yeah, seen me in in a crop top and and leggings. Like I'm still in a big, big baggy t shirt, but that's always kind of been who I was anyway. So that wasn't really any, it wasn't any different from the norm for me. But I knew that I didn't feel comfortable being completely exposed in that environment out on a daily basis. You know, like to the park, shopping, whatever. Don't care. Like I'm not. I don't really care. But it was just. It was just the thought of having people pass judgment and say, oh, you don't, oh, oh, what's happened to Emma? Where, where have her shoulders gone? Like, where have, where have her legs gone? Do you know? So it was it was really that shift for me. Um, I remember going to a body sh bodybuilding show not that long ago, like last September, and literally having anxiety the whole way there, getting out of the car and thinking, oh my God, like, what am I wearing? Like, are people going to, oh, what are they going to think when they look like? And then have an anxiety walking up to the venue and seeing people outside that I used to be connected with through bodybuilding and just thinking, just having mad anxiety. But what I just then do is I just don't go as much, but I know that's not an answer because I still need to be present at these events for, 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 for the business. Um, so I just really have to get over that in my own head. Um, and it's something that is still there just a little bit, but I definitely feel like I'm, I'm in a better mental place with it because I think the more time passes, 
the the less that you care because you kind of get over yourself a little bit mm. um so so it's it's um it's definitely still a work in progress but um yeah I know it will pass yeah I think that's a really healthy way to think about it as well as like because it's not always the healthiest thing to do to just completely remove yourself and ignore the situation. I think actually having to deal with it, like you say, maybe having the pose and pro and having to be present, it's it's making you face these things rather than just like, yeah. I'm just going to bury that and cover it with something else. And that's something that Danny and I have discussed before that you do see that shift of people going at you said, oh, well, now I'm this or now I'm that. Like people remove themselves from the industry and say, well, now I'm a CrossFitter or now I'm a, a yogi and they take yeah. on another identity and bury the other one, but they're not actually dealing with the issue of, of the feelings that come with it yeah um, and like why do you need to have something like why do you need to have a sport as like an identity it's important to like get comfortable with who you are as opposed to just thinking oh, I'm going to dive into the next sport to to mask any issues that maybe you need deal, dealing with or like to give me an identity and we me and Charlie spoke about like it almost sometimes gives you a false sense of like progression when you're in bodybuilding because you're you're sometimes not necessarily progressing with other aspects of life or you might not be putting as much time energy effort as you could into those areas but when you're bodybuilding you feel like you're mo- well you are moving towards a goal but that doesn't necessarily mean you're progressing in the rest of your life but it almost gives you that like false sense of progression yeah i think as well I think that bodybuilding is a, is a, can be used as a huge mask for yeah. a lot of internal things that are going on. Um, I think a lot of people use it for validation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that people really don't identify until they come out the other end. And then even when you come out the other end, you still got to then do some do some some personal growth work to understand okay why do I need this and what I, I almost feel like there's a lot of bodybuilders not all of them but I feel like a lot of them are using bodybuilding to cover up something else that's missing in their life definitely 100% yeah not uncommon at all yeah um and that can be an emotional thing it can be a physical thing it can be you know it it can be an array of different different issues um but I think it's a great plaster yeah to put over the top because like you said it gives you some sort of direction which is good because sometimes it can give you accountability it can teach you other skills as well um and 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 yeah it can just make you have some sort of structure and it feels like you're having growth but where yeah you might be growing as a bodybuilder but are you actually doing the internal work as well to uncover whatever it is you're trying to cover up and luckily you know I I've got a fantastic friend and life coach um and I was always able to really talk about that stuff with him and to combine the bodybuilding with real life because the skills that I learned from bodybuilding, the resilience, the routine, the the accountability, you know, pushing through the day when you didn't want to push through the day, they were all great skills that I gained. 
but yeah. I now know that it gave me a sense of significance. Um, it made me feel valid. It kind of um, gave me identity. And it's like, why do you need something like that to give you identity? What's wrong with the person that you are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think um, that it's that self-awareness piece, isn't it? Of like, like you say, being able to take this, this and this. And, and this is exactly what Danny and I have said from the start, that we can all we all own businesses and we can all probably say that a lot of the drive that we learned from bodybuilding has allowed us to succeed in other areas. So being able to pull those things out, but also have that self-awareness for, you know, why am I doing it? What, you know, what could potentially be going on under the surface and trying to keep a finger on the button with that as you go through, as you go through your bodybuilding sort of career. Um, so that coming out the other side is, you know, you're not kind of dealing with things you might not have preempted almost um do you do you see any sort of common struggles with peers or women that you work with or coach you pose or anything is there anything that seems to come up a lot like we've talked about the loss of identity and validation and things any common occurrences that, that you see across female competitors particularly I think the difficulty is when a lot of people get into competing they do it because it gives them confidence yeah so mm. I think <sighs> Where where is that shift from giving you confidence and validity? Validation. And giving you validation to then it being, and then it shifting to it kind of almost being an issue and a bit of a cover up. Yeah. Because the great thing that I get to see in the studio is that a lot of women are using this to give themselves confidence and, um, you know, to kind of give them a level of self-worth, which obviously is a great thing. We definitely want more of that. Um, but where does it become? I think for me, it becomes more of a shift of identity when it's probably the bodybuilders that are a little bit more higher up. Um, and have been doing it a lot longer and it feels like it becomes part of them which naturally it's going to because when I did it for so long it does become who you are yeah and I think it's when when you decide to make that shift of not being a competitor anymore I think that's where you know that's when you will really have that feeling of loss of identity and you kind of got to rediscover yourself yeah. yeah do you no, think that, that do you think that there's anything that like competitors could do or coaches could encourage either before someone gets into bodybuilding before someone enters a prep or during a prep to help sort of minimize the struggles that they will experience from a loss of identity perspective I think that for me that comes down to a level of life coaching yeah you know and, and how how many prep coaches really have those skills to be able to prepare someone for life after bodybuilding? Yeah. They don't really, you know, I think, I think it's, um, it's really few and far between that you'll get a coach that can prepare somebody for that shift. Um, is it a case that they need to ask themselves why they're bodybuilding and what they're doing it for and what do they want the outcome to be? And when that when that daily purpose isn't there anymore, 
what's going to happen like how are you going to feel when you when you stop bodybuilding um but unfortunately I think coaches don't really care about that too much because their goal is to get that athlete prepped on stage and after that it's like well the the mental well-being of the client isn't really like they probably don't see it as being down to them or so if think if you were a a complete coach where you were you were about you know your mindset and and the training if you were everything then you're going to be able to offer that support to a to an athlete coming out the other end um but if you don't have those skills as a coach which most of them don't then we're always going to see this issue with a lot of athletes coming to the end of their their journey and being lost yeah yeah so it's like what how do people how do people how does each individual transition is that different for each person yeah yeah and I guess it is it depends what that individual you know there could be a multitude of different things that a they struggle with and b that they as their reason why um but I think and, and again like we said the job of the of the prep coach is, is to prep right so I guess our expectation when we go in and we work with a prep coach needs to align with that as well so there is a certain level of responsibility on the client to know what the coach is what they're hiring a coach and what they're offering them um and you know ultimately with a lot of I guess top level prep coaches they are the system of I know can get you in and get you where you need to be and get you out the other side you know and and, and that's what they're there for um Mm -hmm. so going I think with eyes wide open is to the job of the prep coach um and the work that you said you need to maybe be doing under the surface or with another relevant like you've mentioned obviously life coaching and things like that in other relevant areas um or if you do feel like that is something that you need to be making that shift towards a coach that can support you with that um because otherwise it can make you feel I think like you're doing something wrong if you're pushing back towards a prep coach trying to get that type of support yeah and I think as well you know athletes that they let's take like a first timer for example they do their first season it goes great and then after that they're a little bit like I think there's obviously that huge shift in being so restricted and then after the show it's almost like okay right okay reins are off I can have what I want I think that mentality is very dangerous yeah so there needs to be a level of support there which I think it's difficult because probably not all athletes are honest. Yeah. And they obviously don't have the skills to navigate themselves out the other end. So that's really difficult. Um, And then obviously there is then the training. Do they they just completely stop training? Is that the right thing to do? Well, no, we know it's not. Um, But... uh, there definitely needs to, I think this content, this kind of information will really help people, especially getting into it, knowing that, right, okay, when I come to the end, I need to kind of start thinking about how I'm going to, how I'm going to get myself out of the side. Um, yeah. And just kind of thinking, okay, so if I'm not going to train every day, I need to find something that's going to almost replace that. And I think that's why, you know, like you both said, like, um you know whether you transition into crossfit or yoga or swimming whatever um i do think in order to to have a healthy switch there maybe needs to be something to replace the um 
the the routine because that that's when I think when people have a real loss of identity because it's like well who am I I've done this for the past nine twelve months so after this like what what do I do yeah out of interest Emma we all know that like competing takes its toll on our health in terms of your transition from your prep into like life after bodybuilding what did that look like in terms of like how long did it take you to get back to a state of being healthy physically and what did it look like in terms of the transition with your training and nutrition Mm. I I will straight up say I'm genetically quite lucky like my obviously prior to bodybuilding I was a dancer um so luckily I haven't really had too many mental or physical challenges when it comes to switching from bodybuilding to normal life um and obviously I still maintain a level of structure and discipline when it comes to food and even training maybe training not so much because I just allowed myself to just really relax and let my body just come back to a completely natural state um but I food wise you know I slowly started to taper out and this wasn't even done consciously it just was something that I did over time um was I kind of stopped doing the whole six meals a day and I didn't I wasn't really a massive tracker anyway I just kind of knew what I needed to have um and I just oh now I probably eat like three meals three meals a day um you know they're they're still healthy like I'm very I'm very up on eating wholesome food so I'm I've kind of shifted from being hardcore and intense and you know chicken I buy it from anywhere and you know you ventures from the local supermarket I've really shifted into learning and understanding about the importance of gut health because this is where um a lot of illnesses and issues are are started or they come from in the body and it's something that I just became massively interested in so my my nutrition shifted in a sense of I stopped eating as much and what I did eat was just a lot more wholesome so my food like from Monday to Friday I don't eat meat um so I've taken that out and I did think oh my god what's gonna happen will I just like will my body just look completely different my body just sits in a natural state now so um health-wise I've gone massively down a holistic route um, and just really understanding and learning about that and, and what's really going on inside of the body. And that really reflects how we look on the outside. Um, so the healthier I can be on the inner, the the, the better I look and feel on the outer. Um, and a massive shift in that, actually, which is quite funny. My, my partner, he wasn't like I was when it came to food, because as we know, we're very structured as bodybuilders. We eat out of certain food brackets and, you know, a jack potato, cheese and beans was like, ah, to me, like I just didn't eat like that. And I remember a really funny story, like one of the first times he was, I was like, oh, like, what are we going to have to eat? And he was like, he's like an ex-rugby player, wasn't really that big on nutrition. And he's like, oh, let's have a jack potato, cheese and beans. And I was like, no, I don't eat that, like. (laughs) this is not something I consume so that you know what even this is kind of before I switched to knowing about you know whole foods and being a little bit more holistic 
but that I will say was it was a bit of a mental shift for me because he actually kind of made me eat meals that I had drilled into my head were not acceptable yeah and not in an unhealthy way because I'm very lucky in the sense of my mental approach to food is very healthy like I don't I've never suffered with um you know, um, eating disorders or like just unhealthy relationships with food. I've been quite lucky in that sense as well. Um, but because I'd spent so many years of like chicken, fish, turkey, salmon, vegetables, brown rice, brown pasta, sweet potato, to then eat something that's considered as normal, I was like, that's not normal to me. That's not normal. Yeah. So I've gotten better in that sense because I've also educated myself on on food a lot more. But that was a little bit of a transition as well. But again, just over time, I just became a little bit more relaxed. And then once I started to realize, oh, actually, like my body's not going to turn into a sack of potatoes if I don't eat that regimented all of the time. And I was like, okay, like my body's sitting in a natural state. I can afford to maybe enjoy food a little bit more but still within within reason to that I know it's not going to be overindulgent or unhealthy um so I kind of feel like I have a real normal approach to food but the foods that I eat are very wholesome so it's not like I'm eating like takeouts and and, you know going to five guys every single day or you know I don't eat loads of chocolate I mean my, my food consists of you know, veggies during the week, um, fruit, um, and then on a weekend I might relax. So I feel like I have a good mental approach to food. When it comes to training, definitely didn't train as much as I probably felt like I should have done initially (laughs) because I just kind of was like, there was almost like, and there still is now a part of me where I'm like, I don't really want to. Like I did so long training. Like I'm like, oh, don't want to put my body through hell in the gym like I am 36 now and I kind of want to take care of my of my body and not put it through too much stress so um I tend to try and maintain my lower sessions because just aesthetically if I don't train there is nothing going on on the lower half and it would disappear quite quickly so I have maintained that um and I probably average on about three four sessions a week training wise um but I do I do implement yoga at least once a week yeah which I found has been very beneficial um but I just don't put too much pressure on myself you know training wise um but like I said I am lucky in 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 my natural genetics and and how I look. So that's probably a massive reason as to why I don't feel too much pressure to train all of the time. But I do know for a fact that if my body started to look different or if I did have, if I did start to look unhealthy, I would do something about it immediately. The training would increase, I'd tighten the food up, which I do do if I know, like, for example, I'm going on holiday. Okay, let's step up training. Let's, you know, clean up the food just a little. Um, And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because it's not something that is toxic for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think in it, that's like that accepting your body in a spectrum, isn't it? You said like, you know, okay, this is where I sit, but if I'm going on holiday, I know that okay, I'll just ramp it up a little bit, and yeah. it's not that kind of you're looking at your body and going to hate my body, and you're not, it's not coming from that place, but it's kind of that okay, this is where I'm comfortable with my body fluctuating across the year, for example, yeah, um, and actually not having to see it as this one rigid that is my best, and that's all I accept it at, um, yes. which is a bit a big shift to to go through as well, um. Obviously, you said that you're, you're you feel like you're quite lucky genetically. You've had a, you know you've taken yourself through in terms of nutrition and, and just kind of let yourself de-stress, which I think is the main thing coming out of prep. Is it's such a stressful state and just coming to a more kind of relaxed um, approach to, to life. Do you think there is anything that that you do still struggle with now that stems from prep, or do you feel like you're in a pretty good? I think definitely, I'd like there is a definitely a level of body image, and that is probably because although like. Although I know I look fine, like uh, there is obviously still that element of when I'm in the studio and, you know, I see girls that, you know, or even bikini girls or, you know, physique girls, I'm like, oh, there is a part of us that is, it's still attached to that identity. And I think, oh, I wish I still looked like that a little bit. And, you know, those, those words saying, I used to be a bodybuilder, that's still like, Oh, cuts me a little bit deep. <laughs> Just like I had to go through a transition of saying, oh, I used to be a dancer. Do you know, it's it's that switch off. It's not who you are anymore. Um, I, I definitely do still have like days and moments, which I think a lot of females naturally do anyway of like, oh, this, this could do with a little bit of work and I could maybe just, you know, tighten up here a little bit. But for me, it's very much so, it's not something that is a hang-up for me. Yeah. I don't have body hang-ups. And again, I'm lucky that I don't have that mentality. Um, so I think that's just a case of, I think I have as well, just really learned to, to kind of love myself. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think probably as well, having a partner that isn't involved in bodybuilding, he doesn't have that expectation of me. And he's, he is very like, I'll say to him, oh, like, I've just, I've not long just been on holiday. And I'm like, oh, I've got a little bit of holiday weight I need to get rid of. And he's like, Emma, there was nothing wrong with you. Like, you look fine. And he's like, you, you couldn't, sometimes I'll say, oh, I feel a bit chunky today. And he's like, Emma you've never been chunky ever like there's no chance of that and I think maybe that comes to maybe that is a little bit of external validation and maybe that's something that I got from bodybuilding knowing that my physique was on point and you know I was unbeatable and and I had that had that physique mate that was a massive part of validation for me maybe that's me and maybe that came down to self-love and self-worth so maybe now, you know, the partner came along, the identity shift happened, he still loves me as I am, prefers me this way anyway, then it's like, okay, I don't have that pressure to feel like I need to look like that to, to you know, be accepted. Yeah. So I think well, that, yeah. I'm, I'm, that helps as well. Yeah. One of the things me and Charlie were saying, like, has helped us with a lot of the sort of, like, if we have ever had these struggles or if we've ever been tempted to sort of like, if we've seen someone else compete and thought, oh, like sort of got itchy feet, 
is recognizing like the benefits of where we're at right now and what would actually have to be sacrificed to get there and like I know that I wouldn't want to sacrifice what would have to be sacrificed to get on stage again like Mm -hmm. it just it it wouldn't be a consideration if I actually really think about that yeah yeah I have absolutely no desire to ever compete again yeah I can quite confidently say that now whereas maybe maybe a year ago I was really scared to say that out loud because I thought if I did say that then it would be like you know again letting go of that former image of myself um um but Ah, yeah, I don't want to, I don't, I love my lifestyle as it is now. And I would never want to sacrifice that to get back on stage again. So I just feel like my health where I'm at, it's just for me, like I'm, I definitely feel like I'm, I'm done with that chapter of my life. Um, Because we know there is a lot of sacrifice to be made. Yeah, yeah. I think you said that you you used the word lucky in regards to not having like the hang-ups and things like that but I think definitely from you know you're quite vocal about the work that you do like life coaching and things like that I think maybe objectively like from an outside perspective it's definitely I don't think a a look thing I think you're you definitely do that work you know you 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 work on yourself and that comes across very much in how you present yourself and you are very much about taking care of yourself build you know building up yourself to be able mm-hmm. to then pour from the cup sort of thing yeah. um yeah. so I think that that is really important that it's you know it, it does have to come from within and you have to do that inner work to be able to even get yeah. you know think you can get to that place yeah um, and I think on that note because I've always had that mindset like I've always wanted to do do the internal work and I'm very inquisitive when it comes to you know human behavior so really understanding my own human behavior as well and and breaking it down and I'm very lucky that you know I can call Rob my life coach and say okay I'm feeling this sort of way and I just need to dissect it and understand like what is the not the surface level of why I'm reacting the way I am but let's just go a few layers deeper and what I have done a lot of work on is um my childhood stuff yeah childhood um um things that have happened throughout my my young young adult life which really they really um mold your mindset and your perspective on things as well I've done a lot of work on that which is why I probably sit right now in a place where I'm really happy with who I am um, and I really understand myself as well and I did the work to also understand why why I was competitive for so long and what why I enjoyed bodybuilding but I just I feel like I just kind of like started to evolve and grow out of that phase and whilst I was doing that I just became very self-aware at the same time so they probably just really aligned themselves quite beautifully so I could almost like be reborn like a bit of a phoenix um to 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 evolve both of those kind of mindsets at the same time yeah yeah, yeah I, so, I think a lot of people like especially in bodybuilding they're so willing to put on work on like their physique and their training nutrition but they're so they neglect that internal work so much because they're just almost scared of addressing it 
because they know it's something that they need to work on then they use bodyboarding as like a cover-up yeah for sure for sure um I definitely I definitely use bodybuilding to you know cover up and mask and there was you know certain things which I've talked openly about like abusive relationships and and things like that that I definitely use to cover up but probably also get me through it as well so there's all I think there's always like there's always two sides to it um I think bodybuilding becomes a huge crutch for a lot of people um but like you said it's because they're they're staying surface level and not going underneath that and really you know inner standing themselves not understanding inner standing themselves yeah yeah Awesome. So obviously we've spoken a lot about identity throughout our conversation today. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you, did you have a, a struggle with navigating or how you were going to, I guess, like market your business as the posing pro? Um, or did you worry about that? Because obviously a lot of listeners will probably be online coaches and things that will have businesses within, within the industry. Did you struggle with that transition? And, and did you worry about how that would maybe affect your business stepping down as a competitor? Yeah, I think because for a long time after I got my pro card, I didn't openly talk about the thoughts that I was having about bodybuilding. Um, and it was kind of a series of, of, of events because after I got my pro card, I kind of knew I wanted to have time out. So I think I did like three holidays in the space of six months. And um, so <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, this started life is fun. And then, and then I still was planning on competing because then um, I had um, had my boobs done. So I was still thinking, oh, I need to have these done to compete. And then after that, I kind of just never got back into it. And then I met my partner. So I do think it was a series of events. Um, and so for the first easy 18 to 24 months, I was still kind of telling myself, I'm going to compete. I'm going to compete. <laughs> And because I wasn't openly telling people I'm no longer an athlete and people would say to me, when are you going to compete, Emma? And I was like, I don't know, soon. Like, And then I even tied around with, because then as well, I think what happened was the look of my category changed a lot. Yeah. The girls got a lot mm. bigger and I kind of knew I wasn't willing to go that far. Um, so then it was like, oh, maybe I'll be, I'll be a bikini girl. I can do that. That's easy. But the drive to get on stage just became less and less. And I think I literally had like maybe one or two conversations with Rob about the pose and pro and me not being relevant. And he was literally like, you are so relevant. Like you, you are the leading posing coach in the UK and, and, you know, across some parts of Europe. Um, you have built that brand. That brand will never go anywhere because you will always be relevant because you'll always be the best. And this is not me, this is Rob. So I I was also very lucky to always have that reinforced confidence from someone who I so externally respected because he knows his shit. So I always had that alongside me. So I never had them had them like small those small moments where I thought ah if I don't compete you know will people still come to me because I'm not on stage and then then you look at you look at other super successful brands like or or I maybe looked at Kenny Welsh 
who's who's in um, who's in America, and he caught he he does the posing coaching for most of the top pros. He's he's never stepped on stage. Yeah, yeah. Some of your great coaches have never stepped on stage. Fab. So as as we were saying, like you know, some some of the greatest coaches, some of the greatest posing coaches haven't even been on stage yeah. anyway. And obviously, yeah. you're you're very established as as the brand do you yeah I just out of interest on a tangent as well do you feel like it gave you a little bit more like you talk about a lot about like refining your craft and getting good at what you do so it gave you a little bit more space to really focus on on the athletes a little bit more rather than yourself yeah yeah Yeah, it's not to be honest that's not really something that I've thought about before but probably most definitely because bodybuilding takes up so much so much of your time and even now because I have so much going on like posing pro wise gym wise like I don't really have that much time to give to training and I also made that decision as well like okay I don't need I don't really need to train like four or five days a week now and my, my sessions don't need to be an hour and a half um so it definitely allowed me to have more time to commit to the business and to just help it grow and build in the right areas um so that definitely helped because when I was competing and building the brand I literally did nothing else but train work in the studio for like do like eight to ten sessions a day go home sit on my laptop prep food go again the next day I wouldn't be able to do that now my life is just in such a completely different place um so it feels like I've made the right sacrifice like I was quite happy to hang up the you know hang up the bikini so to speak and and focus on just building a really successful brand and I kind of feel like the energy that I was putting into bodybuilding I'm now able to switch that over and just really put it into building a successful business which I just have the freedom to just do just to let it evolve and put the time in to get it where I want it to be I was saying that I was talking about that with a friend the other day actually I was saying like looking back when I used to be competing, I literally just used to like live, eat, mm-hmm. sleep and train. Like my whole life was bodybuilding and mm-hmm. you have so little to give to then like business, friends, family, like anything outside of, of bodybuilding is just not a priority. Yeah. Um, and I'm now so grateful for having that time to invest in my work and education and spending time with friends and family and having a more holistic life um and that's something that yeah I wouldn't want to give up now never like it literally gives me like response (laughs) I'm like I'm it's I think when when you make that shift and you kind of also like being a little bit older and a little bit more reflective it's like I wouldn't want that life again yeah I'm grateful for it. It was this, it was an amazing, bloody huge chapter of my life. I don't want it again. Like, I don't like, I just feel like there's so much more of life to enjoy. But at the same time, I, I understand yeah. why people, why we could do that sacrifice for that amount of time. But then at the same time, I kind of want to say to people, there's so much more to life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
like, but at the same time, I'm like, I get it. Like, you want your pro card, or you know, you know, you you, you want to go and compete around the world because you do get amazing experiences from it. But then again, at the same oh, yeah. time, they are limiting experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that acceptance isn't it, of like you know yeah we get it and we've all been there um we've all had some great experiences to take from it but I guess saying to people like that kind of you want to do the whisper of like come, come to the yeah. grass greener it's you like, know, but, but, just, like but just question what you're doing and recognize yeah. you know there is or, more to or get prepared for the end yeah get prepared yeah. for when you will have to go right okay I know that this is fine I I know this is gonna have to end at some point and what do I want my life to look like after rather than it just being solely consumed yeah. in where you are now I think people get lost they just get lost at the end of at the end of the road and it's like there's there's no path you know like there isn't there isn't unless you are quite switched on and you can kind of anticipate um what's going to come otherwise you're just clueless you're like oh I'm okay who am I what do I do what uh, for the past six months I've been getting up every morning and going to the gym at 6am I've been meal prepping every single day and now I don't have any of that so who am who am I and what am I doing today and I think that's where a lot of people get lost and they they then they they end up in a mess yeah 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 no I agree um well Emma it's been absolute pleasure having you talking to us this morning I think so much of what you've shared is going to help so many people with their own journeys um, and seeing things from a bit of a bird's eye view um, in full circle. So thank you so much for everything that you've discussed today. Um, is there anything that you want to add at the end of the conversation or any sort of parting words? I think just like after listening to this, if you are, obviously there's, there's many different areas of where you are in your competitive career, but I just think like, prepare yourself for what happens after the end goal yeah you know yeah. once you've once you've ticked that box and you've got that goal what happens after that um and just really trying to keep a grasp on on reality yeah as well yeah. um and just yeah just prepare yourself for what's what's going to come at the end of the line and have some sort of plan thereafter yeah Thank you so much for that, Emma. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Um, and thank you to anyone who's taken the time to listen to this. We appreciate it massively. If you have any questions for myself, Charlie or Emma, please just direct message us. We'll put Emma's details down below. And obviously join the Flourishing Competitor community on Facebook as well so that we can support you through what we've been talking about today. Super. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. It's been an awesome chat. Thank you so much.